Welcome to the Ripple Fishing Report. I'm your host, Brad Long. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Another uh, episode of the Ripple Fishing Report. Jordan's with us today. How you doing, Jordan? I'm doing all right, man. Thank you. Yeah, buddy. How was uh, the fourth in Port St. Joe? Busy. Yeah. Extremely busy and crowded, but yeah. uh, beautiful weather and hot, you know. Yeah, it was hot, but beautiful weather, and and everyone seemed to have a good time, and wasn't any didn't hear of any crazy things or bad things happening. So it's always it all good. A, yeah, all around a good good fourth. Yeah. Did you did you spend some time on the water? Did you fish any? Because you told us you don't run you don't run trips on these holiday weekends and stuff. Uh, no, I I fished or, you know fun fish yeah. with family and and some friends and stuff. Uh, pretty much every day except for. Uh, Sunday, I think it rained most of the day, but, uh, yeah, you know, put the, put the boat in for a little while and rode around, did a little tarp fishing, just kind of looking and enjoying a pretty day, but not, no stress of trying to find a fish anywhere. Yeah. Well, that's always nice too. You know, it's, and it's so funny to me, you guys spend your time off still fishing, you know, and I get it because it's your turn, you know. But, yep. Yeah, yeah, I get a chance to make a cast and also just kind of ride around and look and yeah, and uh observe some areas or what's going on just to kind of stay on top of it so I don't come back after 4 days and I'm clueless. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you know, and do you do that through the winter or is it or is that kind of not a big deal? Uh not necessarily uh too much in the winter time. Like if I get a really pretty bluebird sky day, um I know exactly what I'm going to go target in the areas I'm going to hit right. uh, for, for redfish and stuff. Cause those are, well, I guess what know. I'm, what I mean is like, do you have, is it something that you have to, I mean, obviously it's better, but it, do you stay on top of it literally every day, almost even like in these off seasons or time that you're not, I guess on the water for hire, do you have no, to stay not, on it that much or just during like the summer, spring, fall, like the fishing season, quote unquote, just during the main fishing season, yeah. because Especially in the summertime, because fish get so spread out. Yeah, um, yeah. You and, know, every and areas get pounded yep. so much. So if I get a pretty day, um, and I need to, you know, go look around some, maybe pull up in the area I haven't fished in a while and just look and see what's going on. Yeah. Um, wintertime, not necessarily. If I know I have a, you know, say a fly fishing trip or a sight fishing trip coming up. I'll go pull a flat or pull some areas and look, you know, I won't catch too many of them, but I'll just find like yeah. where the, the, the more concentrated fish are that way, the day of my trip, you know, I, I can focus just on catching them and not having to find them. Yeah. And I guess you get to a point and you're there to be honest. You're just, I think you're just that good about what you do, but I mean, you could just go to that flat on the day of, and there would be fish there more than likely. Whereas yeah. like for me, you know, maybe, maybe not a little more of a coin toss for me, but I'm not down there as much. And, but I, I guess where I'm going is, you know, it's interesting that, cause I've always known, you know, as growing up, I grew up on a little pond and I knew that thing inside and out. And so it's like in the, the, the in, even inshore, but it's different, but it's one of those things. It's like the more time you're on the water, the more you understand it and the more you can figure it out and know where to go. You know where you should go tomorrow. You know what happened yesterday or the day before. And so you'll go back. You know what I mean? You can sort of dial it in. And this podcast allows us to sort of experience a little bit of that, even though we're not down there doing it. That was the idea behind this whole thing was I know there's a benefit to 
having like a consistent knowledge base, you know, being on the water every day, seeing what happens, figuring it out. And, uh, and I can't, I'm not able to do that, you know? So it's like, well, how do you recreate that? Find some folks to tell you about it. There you go. Yeah, man. That's how we got here. But so it's interesting. You do all that because I mean, you have to, but then it's just, uh, it's wild to me that the knowledge you get from the amount of time that you're able yep, to do just it. time. And, you know, and, and a lot of fish like redfish are very habitual. So yeah, they tend to kind of do the same things and, and frequent the same areas, you know, on the same conditions, you know, all the time, you know, every year. So after doing it, you know, for so long, I kind of know areas that are always going to have, you know, some fish around them. Yeah. Those fish may not bite, maybe, you know, very pressured, but, uh, kind of, you always kind of know where areas that, that, that'll tend to hold them, which I usually will save those, you know, like yeah. if, if we're hitting some spots and stuff and just can't get them, you know, find them or nothing's happening, I'll kind of pull into an area and be like, all right, I know we're going to see a, a few fish. Yeah. Um, stuff like that, but yeah. no, it's sum- summertime for sure. And but you know what, Jordan, you know what's amazing about that? And this is, I'm learning, I'm trying, you know, but what amazes me is you could take, and this is what I've learned most on this podcast so far, just the, like the scientific pieces that it, because it goes beyond, okay, there's fish there. I can go back to that spot and I'll see those fish again. But you guys all understand why the fish are there. So you can take that information and apply it to the Keys or to the other coast or whatever, and it's going to kind of be similar, the same almost. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's definitely you know? helped me. Um, yeah, and that's one of the reasons why, you know, I'm not going to say I was good at tournament fishing, but I was always fairly successful. Yeah. Um, is because what I knew here and learned here, I could take to new areas and not spend as much time you know, trying to figure those out and just kind of right. try to look for areas that look that are similar conditions or similar things as here yep. and go look for fish and, and more times than not, um, we, you know, would find fish in those, those exact same area, type yeah. of areas. And so the thing is, you're not going to be on here giving somebody GPS coordinates to a flat that's productive, but if everybody listens close enough, they can probably piece together some of the the pieces of why that flat was productive and then go find their own. You know I mean? That's, that's that's what it's, that's the whole, that's what I've taken away the most. And there's all these little things you said there, you know, like redfish are are habitual. So many of the things that happen in in the ocean are because of instinct and that's it. We assign as humans, our human emotions and feelings and, Oh, I bet he doesn't like this. No, he doesn't care. He can barely feel it. Like he's not that complex. Like, but it's just funny how we do that. Even, and I even know the stuff and you do it, you know, but they yeah. just sort of, yeah. re- it's like a chain Na- of reaction. Nature's definitely, yeah, nature's definitely different than us. So fish, fish are there for survival. They have to feed. Um, they need structure and, you know, safety at times when other predators are around. Yep. But their whole objective is they have to feed, you know, certain times. And then at some point throughout the year, they're going to have to spawn. That's it. And you figure out where they spend the time to do those things and you got them. That's <laughs> you know? right. So look, let's change gears because we, I, you know, you and I can get into this scientific crap for hours. So we'll change gears. There's been a tremendous amount of tarpon 
just in the panhandle. I've seen it on social media. We <laughs> talked to Brant. Brant said it was ridiculous over the weekend, and that was in Pensacola. So I'm assuming some of those fish must have surely swam by you. So, Oh, yeah, they swam by us. We had uh, probably one of the best, you know, week, so I'd say seven or eight days of tarpon migration or push that I've seen in a long time. That's what I'm gathering. Um, yeah, and I think a lot of it just has to do with our weather. Um, we've had very little rain you know we're getting our this is our typical summer pattern yep we have a couple little pop-up storms in the morning it's flat calm you know sunny and hot all the way up until about two three o'clock and then some pop-up showers in the afternoon yeah um, not a ton of rain our water is beautiful uh there's bait everywhere so i think it's just we've gotten kind of back into a typical summer weather pattern yeah and it's not and, 110 degrees either that hill uh right? no it's i mean it's, it's hot but you know, it's mid, not it's 90 mid 90s right. it's normal temp. july temperatures not exactly. crazy dog days of summer kind of stuff we're not quite there we shouldn't be quite there yet so i'm glad things have sort of backed off and yeah we had that little heat wave there you know for a week or so and it was pretty pretty hot but it's cooled off with these the storms and some cloudy days and a little bit of rain here and there but it's I think it's just because it's a normal summer pattern we're we're seeing the true potential of the migration. Yeah. Um, whereas the last couple of years, water's been dirty, uh, weather was crappy, you couldn't get out very much. So but yeah, yeah it's uh it's been really good. There's been a lot of fish swimming, um, and a lot of hungry fish, man. I mean, even um in some areas where you typically just see them cruising you know, been getting some bites and stuff yeah. like that. So it's, it's been, been pretty good last, last week or so. So let me ask you something since you, you kind of phrased it that way and I'm, I'm not going to dare ask for details, but I'm curious. Um, so are you, so you said there's areas where they're cruising. So are there, yeah. are there known areas, at least known to you where if you see tarpon there, they're going to be feeding? Yeah. So there's certain areas along our coastline and along their whole migration route Yeah, where tarpon, tend to feed more consistently in an area and then use other areas for just mere travel. Right. Um, and that's, that's known, you know, throughout the, the state, but there's areas here where if you can find them and see them, they're going to be biting. You, so do they spend them. time there? Um, I mean, do they some, like stop? Will, and... I mean, yeah, you'll, you'll get a handful or a, a percentage of the fish that'll, uh, you know what I call it milling around kind of yeah. cruising around back and forth, you know, feeding not on a true line. Yeah. You'll like, get fish that'll, that'll float, you know, kind of lay up looking for food. Yep. Um, and then, you know, they'll, but they'll, most of the time they're still traveling just slowly through that area, but they're in a feeding mode. So right. It's like they're hunting, the they're moving in the same direction, but they're doing it in a way that you would notice they're not just migrating. Yeah, it, you yeah. know, and, and but they're just more attentive to bait. So, like, if you get a bait in front of them, they they want to bite it. Like, yeah. you can tell their their body language. They yeah. they want to feed. Right. And then there's other areas here where you see a bunch of them, but they're just kind of in a in a cruising you know mode where they just want to travel this line and they don't care what's in front of them. They don't want to eat. They don't. They're scared to death of it. Yeah. Um, and every now and then you'll get a bite, but, uh, but now lately it's been, man, they've just been kind of 
beaten all over. It's been really good. Yeah. I, I mean, I, we, I talked to Brant the other day, and, and he he threw out some crazy numbers uh, from the pier uh, at Okaloosa Island, which that's a known spot for feeding tarpon because of well, just the amount of bait there. But then that bait dies off um, any time now, really, but a little bit later in July probably when it gets real hot. That they're, for yeah. some reason, that bait dies off, and they just sip them. They just eat them. You know, so that's a known, and they know it. So that's a kind of a known area when they're coming through, they're looking for food, you know? Um, yep. But, and you know, it, I, of course they eat, right? I mean, we catch them. I know they eat, but I guess, you know, if they had, well, I think of like Boca Grand Pass, Homosassa, some of these areas that are like well-established, they spend time there and they feed. And I think that's a lot more preparation for the journey than it is, you know, in, in their feeding as far as what they're, what they're eating and what's available there for them. Yeah. It's, you know, they, they need the calories for, yeah. for the travel. They also, as they get closer to us and toward the Mississippi, they need the calorie, the, the nutrients to build body fat, to make eggs. And that's where the menhaden um, come in. Right. That's where the menhaden, yep. menhaden, cigar minnows, things like that are real oily right. and very fatty. That's that's where that comes in. So that's your part of the world, right, because of the freshwater. They're a freshwater-oriented brackish. Not uh, What's the term? that I'm th- Brackish might be it, but I think that's yeah, too it's, fresh. It's, it's brackish, but it's more of just a – Like a, they b- need, a bayou they need type to, scenario. Or something. Well, a, a delta or a yeah, watershed from a river. That's so what I'm they, trying to think. Yes, okay. That fresh water, that outflow of that river has a lot of plankton and microscopic organism nutrients, and that's what the menhaden are feeding Okay, on. so they're there to eat that stuff. Okay, yep. so that exists in your part of the world, and then that exists again when you get over to, like, Mobile. And, and Mobile, may, and yeah. maybe Destin. I mean, all these places have creeks and stuff that come in, but not like Apalachicola, not like Mobile, not like Louisiana. And so right. that's why they, that's a big part of sort of those feeding stations along the way. It's not that they set up shop there, but that stuff's there. And if they needed to set up shop, they, they will, you know? Right. And I guess that's how it works. But then there's apparently these, like you're saying, these areas that, you know, are sort of known like the Okaloosa Pier and obviously a bunch of other areas I don't know about that people keep secret. But the, the I mean, that's how they work. You know, so if you know that and you, and you can see, and you know where those spots are, um, if you can catch them in a good mood and hungry, that's a, that's a good day, man. Yep. It was, uh, yeah, we had a, you know, prime example that yesterday, uh, my girlfriend finally got to grab her first one. Yep. I Um, just saw that on social media. She's hooked probably 12 or 13, maybe more over the years, me and her fishing and, Fought some for a while and broke off or lost them at the jumps. Just never got to grab them. Well, yesterday, I told her, I said, look, I actually had a cancellation. Okay, so you had time. Um, yeah, so I was like, look, tomorrow's beautiful. Um, call in sick if you got to at work. If you want a chance, uh, where we need to go to catch one is going to be perfect tomorrow. And, I mean, the first uh, – second cast you made at the – you know, I think it was – a third fish we saw that morning really um yep she made a perfect cast fish i mean this was 7 30 in the morning fish ate it nice. and uh rest was history she followed her for about an hour and finally got her boat side and grabbed her and it was big weight off my back yeah no kidding. One. <laughs> um but yep and then you know the rest of the day was like 
all right, well, what do we do? And yeah, uh, we jumped a couple more and, and that was it. We left them alone and went home, but it was, uh, you know, the area we, I knew we could get to, we were, we were get bites and yep. it, it all worked out. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's uh that's awesome. And the first one like that, you don't, you don't forget that one. And she no, had, she's she got was, videos and pictures. So, I mean, you definitely oh man, won. videos, this, that fish was a warrior, man. It was maybe a hundred, 110 pound, maybe 110. Yeah. Had a old shark bite on her back. Really? Um, we had her boat side leader touch three times and then she just peeled off another hundred yards wow. along. I mean, she just, she was an old fighter, man. She did not want to give up. Yeah, that's it, funny, man. And not very big. That's crazy. I mean, you know, yeah. those, those big, big ones whack like that sometimes, but you know, they tend to, they're big. They don't, they, they only got so much of that in them, you know? Yeah. But no, this one was just no warrior, man. I was, it was, it was fun to watch. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? A shark bite. Cause I mean, at that oh, fish yeah. at that weight, uh, what, 30 years old. I mean, it's been yeah, around a it, while. Yeah. Around 20 to 30. Yeah, it's been here. Yeah. So, I mean, kind of in the middle of its life. I mean, think about that, man. 30 years. That's crazy for a, for a fish. I mean, yep. shark for a bite, fish that does the same thing every year. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was gnarly. And it, it probably was maybe two or three weeks old, you know, still had some, some raw flesh looking in there, but started healing up. It was, you know, just, it shows you the resilience of those fish. Yeah. Look, man, 60 million years. I mean, in that, that, that's the number that gets thrown around. I mean, they're prehistoric and they've, I mean, they have lung cells in their gills. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're just so evolved and that's what we, that's what we understand. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff when you get into like lateral lines and what they, how they actually, I mean, they have senses we don't have. So like, we kind of don't understand how they operate. And I mean, we think we do, well, I'm sure we have a good idea, but we don't really know. And so, yeah. uh. I mean, all that stuff is just so dialed in. Big old eyes, you know. I mean, just oh, they're yeah. just so evolved. Yep, they are something about when you grab them and you look them in the eye, man. They just—it's like they look into your soul. Yeah, it's crazy. It really yeah. is. But that's awesome, man. I, I so for the listeners, I shared that on social media. I guess uh, just an hour before this conversation. So those videos and stuff are there. If, uh, if you want to watch or catch that tarpon, that was awesome though, man really was. So the, the tarpon are obviously full on, you know, peak of the season, right? What yeah, else? They're going to, they're going to probably around coming up on this moon, yeah. um, in July, they'll, they may disappear for a couple of days. They go, you know, a lot of times some of them will go off and do their little spawning thing. Yep. Um, here, and then they'll start coming back in, um, to the beaches. Uh, so they may they may vanish they may not man they're still Tampa still catching a ton of fish you okay. know so we still we still have a lot of fish coming up our way apparently well and you know what man uh I mean this is a weird way to sort of understand it all but uh, so flowers right this year uh flowers bloomed like a month later at, at least where I'm at and the re and it mm-hmm. to the point that it start it, it affected honeybees and honey production right so anyway. Um, they bloomed about a month later. So you got, I got crepe myrtles. I didn't know any of this. Uh, a friend of mine does uh, owns a landscaping company and we were talking about it, but my crepe myrtles are blooming now. He's like, they should have bloomed like in April or May or something. I mean, the people that know this stuff would know what I'm saying, but anyway, it's like months behind and it has to do with the, with a cold snap that came through like in late February. I mm-hmm. kind of remember it because I remember for us, it's like, all right, things are moving in the right direction. And then boom, it's like 20 degrees for a week. Oh yeah. You know, and I remember something like that. Anyway, it set everything back. 
And so that's sort of an interesting perspective that if you got bushes in your yard that bloom, they they probably bloomed much later this year than normal. And I wonder if that being said, if it did the same thing with the tarpon migration, if it just pushed it back or created a scenario where you're going to have these massive numbers of fish come through that you don't normally have because they sort of had to hold up. And then, yeah. you, you know what I'm saying? I, yeah, I could, it makes, that makes sense. I could understand it working like that either way. I mean, they're so temperature driven. So are cobia. Yeah. Everything that migrates, that's one of the huge I, I, everything's all water temp yeah when it hits that magic number and it stays there they go yep and when it goes away they stop and then they go again i mean it's like a red light green light kind of thing almost especially when it's as stark as that was you know late in the year like that oh yeah so i don't know man it definitely definitely could be Uh, something too i'm sure yeah as long as they keep swimming i'm good one more month of them swimming and we'll be good that's it so what else is happening? How's uh, how's the redfish bite, speckled trout, triple tail? I know I've seen pictures of all that. So doing the, yeah, the late uh, summer today, thing. Yeah, today was a good day early. You know, got on a bite, had a decent little moving tide up until about nine nine thirty, and then it just kind of died. Yeah. Um, and so we rode around and, and caught a few triple tail, which there you know there's still some here. Uh, good thing with all the really pretty weather um, is a lot of guys are running offshore and chasing, you know, yeah. snapper and stuff. So it's kind of taking a little pressure off the bay, but there's still a lot of, a lot of pressure on them. But yeah. Um, if you cover some water, you know, you can still find some. Well, and, it's, uh, and it's, and you know, we talked before about how St. Joe Bay is just kind of a, a big pool. And so when it's like this, it will heat up and, and those, that tidal yeah, movement Saint, is St. Joe Bay is tough right now. Um, yeah. This time of year, I try to stay over at Indian Pass at Pletchicola. Uh, St. Joe, last week, a couple trips I had there, we, we caught some trout and a few reds, but more sharks than I've ever seen in my life in St. Joe Bay right now. Really? Um, and was it you yeah. telling me that there it's finally the healthy population, like a normal? Yeah, and that's that's what every you know everything I've read and, and kind of gather. Um, but I'm talking like little bitty black tips. I, I went through a pack of 50 hooks. Really? In two days um in saint joe bay yeah with all the little black tip and and atlantic sharp nose sharks you know they're all like two three feet but and they're fun to catch for clients and they love it but man they cut off yeah. white line uh about every other cast we were getting cut off or yep. hooking a shark and it it's they're just becoming a to be a problem yeah, and you know it, it's interesting when you get something that's that high on the food chain to to get to a well, let's say they're at a healthy level before, say red snapper, which I think they're at a healthy level too. But but let's say it's not right. Well, then mm. they're fe- they're feeding on this stuff, and they're they're it's a, it's weird how they have to sort of come up at the same time because you can't have a healthy population without a healthy population of food for the shark, right? Right. They're gonna die off, or they're gonna just decimate something else you know and then now you got a new problem it's kind of it kind of all has to move in the same direction at the same time you know mm-hmm. but it's weird what was, was it long lining is that what really put a dent in the population Yeah, a lot of it a lot of it's the uh the long line boats uh commercial long lining you know they banned them in areas they've made them they've given them a zone where they can't come in uh you know so close to the the shoreline, yeah. The net boats, the big pogey boats that uh, used to pull from Inhaven and pogies, they don't allow that anymore. 
for the past probably 10 or 12 years um, along the coastline. So, okay, you know, the sharks, you know, the stuff that used to kill 15, 20% of the sharks every year, that stuff's not happening anymore. So we've seen now in the last five, six, seven, eight years, you know, that 20% that's normally dying is now reproducing. Right. And it's caught up. So it's caught up. Yeah. So is that, is that statewide or just exclusive to your area? No, I think that's Gulf coast, uh, statewide. I know that Louisiana are still having troubles with the pokey boats, but yeah. I know the state of Florida for sure doesn't allow them to, to drag nets and long line, yeah. uh, you know, within certain distance of the coastline or, or certain zones or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. It's, um, it's interesting though, you know, to think, cause it, it seems like you hear, you're hearing a lot more about sharks this summer. I mean, you know, some people are having, you know, there was a, a shark attack over the weekend, um, in Taylor. Yeah, there was a bad one. There was a bad one over toward Panacea, St. Mark's. Or yeah, like uh, uh, Taylor County, and I'm not familiar with. Yeah, Perry, that Perry, and Horseshoe. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. Horseshoe Beach and Perry that, area. Did you hear about that? That was a nine foot tiger shark. Yep. Isn't that something? And that's so rare for a tiger shark that size to even to even see one, much less have one bite you. You know, man, we got them all over our bay. And the tiger sharks. Yes. Really. I oh, thought we they were hard. We have so many sea turtles. Their main, oh, okay. Their main diet, sea turtles, and our bay is full of them. So they know they can come in there and have a buffet. We see yeah. them all the time. Big ones like that, huh? Big ones. I'm talking 10 plus. I've wow. seen 14 footers in the bay. No kidding. Yep. Well, that's, you know, you play where they live, man. You know, that's, that's, yep. uh, when you, in, when you jump in that water, you are not top of the food chain. But man, you, but it's crazy because it sounds like this was an area that had a bunch of folks around in it. You know, I mean, just uh, just one of those freak things. You know, because yeah. it just doesn't happen much. Like you said, I mean, how many people get shark attacks in St. Joe? No, I mean, we've had one, one in fifty-five, sixty right. years. You know, and, and, and you, you just got said, a better chance of winning the lottery than exactly. Getting bit, really, and, and you've got these monster sharks coming into the bay all the time. Yeah. So I mean, you know, in scallop seasons around the corner so you know i mean like it's just yeah. one of those things that's uh but they're getting more and more so I yeah mean, you know that the, your chances are getting higher with more and more sharks well and really like i was saying earlier the concern is let's say their their natural food supply becomes depleted well now what are they going to do they're hungry and there's more of them so now your odds go way up of having problems so yeah it's it's gotta gotta find a balance one way or the other and you start dangling your legs over in the water. You, you don't want to be a part of that. No, you don't. But, you know, that's uh, it's part of what we do, I guess, man. You know, we get out there and play around in them, and uh, things can happen. Yeah, just always, if you're, you know, swimming around, I'd always have someone in the boat kind of being a lookout. Yeah, that's a good point. And I've always thought, too, rings, bracelets, flashy jewelry. I've always been told uh, for, say, Barracuda in the Keys that you're not, they don't want you snorkeling and stuff with the necklace on, yeah. let's say, because they'll see that flash and they'll hit it and then realize it was yep. you. Um, Kind of a good practice everywhere, you know, so I try, oh, yeah. I try to do that. But, uh, but so, look, tell me a little bit about Apalachicola. Is it kind of the same same scenario with what people are catching and what's happening. Is there anything special happening down there with a tarpon bite or anything? No, I mean, it's, you know, tarpon, if you can see them, you know, certain areas you can find them. 
Uh, it's been pretty good. West Pass has, you know, had some success. Seen some guys hooking up and catching a few there. Um, you know, it's it's a tougher area to fish. Yeah, for sure. But uh, you know, they swim past there first before they get to the cape. So yeah, um, they are they are moving there. We've had you know a couple days where we've hooked one or two. You know, we've been successful to hook one every every tarpon trip this year. We've hooked it. Hooked at least one. So yeah. Hey, man. Good. Yeah. That's real good. Cause yeah, but, even, uh, even when you see them, it doesn't always work out like that. That's right. Um, but yeah, the, you know, trout bite's going to start picking up over there. Um, a little bit, typically first of August, you know, we'll start having a, a good shrimp hatch. Um, August, September, the, uh, trout bite will get real, real, a lot better over there. Yeah. Um, redfish bite stays, pretty consistent all summer you just gotta hit it certain times when it starts getting hot yeah yeah and that makes sense and then with the tidal movements like we talked about earlier um plays a big part this time of year and and oh yeah you know so and there's gonna be more moving water down there so that would help um well good man well look thank you for talking with us again it sounds like uh right now it's just everybody's got tarpon on their brain man i know I, i do yeah, that's typical summer pattern, and I'm I'm good with it. I'm tired of chasing uh, trout and redfish. So yeah. hopefully the rest of the summer I can, um, you know, get after them and and put some more pictures up of them. Yep, absolutely. Well, look, tell everybody how to reach you if they want to come down and book a trip, or uh, you do snapper trips too, right? I know that's popular. So yeah, I run a few of those if the weather's nice. Right. Um, don't do a lot of them, but you know, for for the right folks, I will. Yeah, so not too bad. But yeah, you can always give me a call eight five zero two two seven six five five zero. That's the best way. Um, or any social media, Instagram, Facebook, direct message me at Saltwater Obsessions, and uh, I'll get back with you. Perfect. Well, buddy, thank you. We'll try to do this again next week, and uh, yeah, so we'll uh, we'll talk to you later. And uh, listeners, we'll hope you check us out again next week. So, uh, so bye, everybody. 